Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. The Pittsburgh Steelers draft class is being celebrated, but how different were the moves that led to it and the setup that they put in by the Steelers front office compared to previous years under Kevin Colbert? We're analyzing that as well as the versatility that they're seeking to create for themselves on both sides of the ball. I'm Chris Carter, your host of the North Shore Drive podcast, and we're going to be joined by Ray Fittipato talking Steelers, and we'll also have Jason Mackey talking about the Buccos, who did snap the losing streak but still need to get some work done to fix their losing ways. All that and more here on North Shore Drive Podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily, all of our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes as well as our daily content that comes out on all different sports topics from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And if you want all our written content as well as everything else we do, go to post-gazette.com and subscribe today to get uh, all, all of our content on sports and everything else we cover in Pittsburgh. As I said before, we're joined by Ray Fittipaldo, one of our great Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, I want to talk to you about a topic that we've heard a lot about, uh, kind of just from fans, from people talking about the Steelers draft, because this was the first official draft that Omar Khan was running. Andy Weidel was there, and there was a lot of talk about Omar Khan. He's so aggressive. Omar Khan, he's the Khan man, and that things are changing, and that Kevin Colbert wouldn't have made these types of moves. But our buddy, Brian Batko, who will join us on Friday uh, on, the North, on the North Shore Drive podcast, wrote a piece about how, yes, it's a new regime, but there are a lot of the same tendencies and, you know, kind of looking at some, some realis- realism about it. You know, people talked about Broderick Jones and trading up to get him. The Steelers wouldn't have done that before. But, you know, in the earlier days of the Omar, uh, excuse me, of the, ben, of, the Ke- of the Kevin Colbert era, they did trade up. They traded up to get Troy Polamalu. They traded up to get Santonio Holmes. Uh, and even recently, they traded up to get Devin Bush, who didn't work out, but still was an aggressive move, an even more aggressive move, considering they moved up 10 spots instead of three spots this past year. So I, I say all that to say, are are things actually like significantly different here for the Steelers front office? Or are there just some kind of tweaks here and there with the same ideas really just being locked in place? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just tweaks here and there. You know, I, I think, um, you know, for whatever reason, Kevin Colbert didn't address uh, the offensive and defensive fronts in his final few years of the draft. And I think it's it's been up to Andy and Omar to, to straighten that out. But, you know, as far as the other thing goes, um, the other stuff goes, you know, making trades and, and that sort of stuff. Um, uh, I think they, they both showed aggression um, obviously, Omar in his first season uh, making those decisions, and Kevin did it throughout um, his career. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think probably more so it's just uh, some little things here and there that are different. I, you know, I, I think the biggest thing was, and 
you know, Andy and Mike talked about this within the last week or so. It was just getting on the same page. You know, when, when mm-hmm. Andy and the new scouts were hired, um, they sat down at June minicamp last year. So not rookie minicamp in May, but June minicamp, all of the scouts and the new scouts were in place. And they all got into a room with Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin went over what types of players he wants, what types of athletes, what types of people. And I think, you know, what Andy said was they got their marching orders, and then when they hit the road um, in August and September going to games and going to campuses, Mm -hmm. they had a full understanding of what Steelers look like, so they knew what they were looking for. And uh, what Andy said was it was really, you know, kind of a seamless transition for all because um, the communication was open and uh, they knew exactly what Mike wanted. It it certainly seemed that way. You know, Keanu Benton kind of revealed on his first call, you know, after he was drafted that Mike Tomlin brought up the word goon when he was talking to him because he wanted physical players. And now goon not meaning like, you know, guys who hurt people or guys that are dirty, but it just means guys who are, who are, are willing to get their hands dirty at the line of scrimmage. They're willing, they're willing to be more physical. They, they make a point to win at the point of attack and to, to dominate the opponent in front of them. And you look at this draft class, Broderick Jones, uh, Joey Porter Jr., even at cornerback, the way that he tries to jam receivers at the line of scrimmage with physical play, Keanu Benton on the defensive line, and even Darnell Washington as a blocker, that's very much. And I even say Nick Herbig kind of fits that kind of fits that mold. This is kind of a draft class that very much fits the idea of getting goons, getting physical yeah. guys, and, and playing this kind of physical brand of football that Mike Tomlin has set them out to find. Yeah, I mean, just going back to Kevin Colbert's last couple of years, um, you know, they, they didn't take a lineman, an offensive lineman, in the first round since 2012, didn't take a defensive lineman in the first round since 2011. And, uh, like, even in the second round, the highest they would take a guy was to it back in 2014. He came in the second round. So Stephon it's Julia. hard to maintain dominant lines of scrimmage when you're counting on third, fourth, undrafted free agent types, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to fill in those gaps. And, you know, let's be honest, Kendrick Green – was a bad pick. Uh, Kevin Dotson, yeah. I would say, is – and Kevin Dotson's going to be a backup this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was – for a fourth-round pick, I guess, I guess you could say that's average. I don't see any way for him coming back on a second contract. But, you know, the point is that you don't usually find starters beyond the third or the, you know, the fourth round. I mean, you got to get those hosses early, those guys who are going to be cornerstones – um, of your lines of scrimmage, and the Steelers just didn't do that in the final decade. You know, they took some shots, Kendrick Green and some others, middle rounds, but it just didn't work out, and they were almost forced um, to do it this year. And I know, you know, Mike Tallman said they weren't forced to do anything because of what they did in free agency, but when they made that move, you knew what they were making that move for. That move was to go up and to get Broderick Jones. Absolutely. It was it, it was an emphasis to say, hey, let's get it right on the offensive line. Let's go get our guy. And one thing that, you know, I thought was very interesting, another point that Brian analyzed in his piece, uh, by the way, go read Brian's piece. It's called Analysis Steelers have a, have a New Regime, but many of the same draft tendencies. And one of the tendencies that he noticed was that it's a continuation of something that we've always seen is that the Steelers prefer guys to come to their facility and those are the guys that they usually draft um because and guys that they visit on their pro days uh because this is now eight straight 
times the Steelers have have selected somebody that they've gone and visited with their top brass at their pro day, and there were four guys on uh, on on the on their on this that the Steelers did both um, for visiting their their draft their their uh, their pro day and then bringing them in for a pre draft visit. The, one of them was Broderick Jones. The other was Joey Porter Jr. Another was Darnell Washington. And I think the other was mm, Brian Brzee. But three of the four guys that they brought, that they both brought in for a pre draft visit and were visited by Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan at their pro draft guys were their draft picks. Keanu Benton was the only guy, and he was still a top 30 visit. So you're talking about all four of their, of their first picks uh, in the first three rounds were all brought in for top 30 visits, and three of those four were guys that they went and visited with the top brass, and usually that's done at the bigger schools that they normally look to draw in their talent from. And I think, it again, it shows that while, yes, there was, there was a change in emphasis in what positions were looked at this year compared to recent years as their top options, but these are the practices to get there, at least – on the on the on the side that we can see, we're very much similar to what Kevin Colbert was doing. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you want to make sure, right? Like when you're investing thousands upon thousands of dollars into the scouting process, and you do that in numerous ways. You know, time in the office, looking at tape, time on the road, on campuses, talking with coaches, at stadiums, getting the the, the nitty gritty details um, of these prospects. If you're gonna put that amount of money into it, you might as well bring your top targets in for visits as well, right? Get them on the whiteboard, you know, get to know them a little bit better. I I think it only makes sense. Now, this was probably more than they've had in the past. You know, I think the average, I went back and looked at this before the draft. You know, I think the average is about two guys who visit, you know, get drafted. But, you know, this year it was was double that. And, um, you know, I don't know if it has anything – to do with the new regime or, you know, Mike Tallman in particular. But I, I just think it makes total sense that uh, if you're going to spend those types of resources, you better double down and double check everything about these guys before you invest one of those high draft picks in them. I agree entirely. I want to talk about a piece that you wrote, though, that talked about the versatility that the Steelers have been looking to add to both sides of the ball with the changing games in the NFL. We'll do that in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. So don't go anywhere. But first, before we do any of that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at GameTime.co. Buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and GameTime is the app that's here to make things fast and easy to buy tickets for all events, whether they're sports, music, comedy, or theater near you. They give you killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so that you can stop stressing over the tickets and starts getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have at your favorite event. The Game Time app, which you download right to your phone and mobile device, allows you to book tickets up to the last minute, even if you didn't plan far out in advance. Sometimes if you you wait too long, you feel, man, those tickets are going to be way too expensive. Well, not with Game Time. Game Time is going to give you exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and much, much more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the be- get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's the Game Time guarantee. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and create an account, and you can use code P-I-T-T-PIT, all capital letters on all one word, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase of $150 or more. Or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code P-I-T-T-PIT, all capitalers, all one word, and you'll get $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're sticking with Ray Fittipato for one more segment before we switch to the Buccos. Now, Ray, you wrote about, about versatility the other day. We talked a little bit about this uh, on the Monday episode, but I wanted to kind of revisit this just to, just to talk about some of the talking points that, that you nailed in there and the importance of finding guys who can fill multiple roster, roster spots. Now, You know, when we listen to Mike Tomlin talk about it, when he's like, like, when we're talking about versatility, he says, I like guys who do multiples. And that's kind of just his way of saying versatility and, and guys who can fill different roles because you still only get what, 53 guys on an active roster that you can, right. that you can have even less guys for, who can be active on game day. So it behooves you to find guys who can fill multiple roster spots. And this isn't necessarily saying finding a receiver who can play cornerback, but finding a linebacker who can play outside and inside and then also help on special teams, finding a cornerback who can play slot and outside and help on special teams. And I think special teams is a big part of that. And you highlighted how that was something that's probably going to be looked at for both the fourth round pick, uh, Nick, Nick Herbig, and, and especially the seventh round pick, Corey Trice, the cornerback that they got. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I think both of those guys have what you're looking for to be really good special teams players. I mean, you listen to the coaches talk about Nick Herbig, and he's got those intangibles, loves footballs, you know, a guy who's going to run down on kicks and um, establish himself on the roster in that way. And I think Corey Trice with his size, um, you know, he's one of the biggest corners who came out in this year's draft. I think he could play on a number of special, special teams as well if he ends up making the 53-man roster, which I think, you know, the, the, the way they're structured, I think he's he's going to have every opportunity um, to do that. So that's when, when you're a fourth-round pick or even mm -hmm. a third-round pick and later, that's how you have to establish yourself. Yep. And I think, you know, we, we saw that in years past with outside linebackers. Anthony Ciccolo was a six-round pick, you know, got on the roster, special teams, then eventually – became that top backup. And I, I think that's going to be Nick Herbig's um, path to playing time as well. You know, they're going to start him on the outside. That's the position room he'll be in to start his career on Friday when he gets there in the kickoff rookie minicamp. Mm -hmm. But they firmly believe with his skill set, uh, with his athleticism, that he can play some off-the-ball linebacker too. And we all know that the, they didn't address that really um, other than in free agency. They did not take an off-the-ball linebacker in this draft wasn't a very good draft for that. So they'll get Nick Herbie in there. They'll, they'll take a look at him and they'll see what his skill set is. And then they'll decide, you know, later in the summer, if he can have a role um, on the defense um, as an off ball linebacker as well. Now, one, one thing that they also didn't really address in the draft was slot cornerback. And yes, they did sign a guy in Chandon Sullivan, the former Viking slash Packers slash bear. Basically he made a whole tour of the NFC North, but they brought a guy in like that to help with, you know, Arthur Marlette in that spot. But Corey Trice is six foot three. He's if if he's going to be helping in the slot, it's going to be kind of more of like a big safety type of role, in my opinion, just with right. the with with the skill set that, that he has. 
you know, I kind of look at that. Is that a position where you still see it somewhere that Omar Khan's going to maybe make a move to address uh, at, at some point if they ha- if, if you feel like they haven't already addressed it enough by getting Sullivan? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll take a look at Sullivan, and I, I don't think there's any guarantees that he'll be on the 53-man roster in September. But obviously, you know, they got, what, four months to three and a half months to, to look at him and see what they have. You know, I think the bigger point in all of this, Chris, is it's it's very much a specialized game in the NFL right now. You need certain types of players for all different kinds of situations. And, you know, you mentioned a big guy t- to defend tight ends. You definitely need that. And maybe Corey Trice can be that guy. But there's also a need for, you know, that 5'9", 5'10", slot corner who can stick with those shifty slot receivers and uh, hang with those guys you know, when it's third and six and they, they need to cover them up, they can cover them up. And I don't know that uh, that that's Corey Trice's skill set. You know, he's more of a press man corner, disrupt at the line of scrimmage more so than quick change of direction guy. So, you know, we'll see if Sullivan can handle those duties. But if you're looking at, you know, there's probably a couple of spots that they might have to address before September gets here. But if you're looking at one, you know, I would say a cover slot corner. You know, Mallette yeah. is good. He, he's good in his role, but he's not a cover guy that you want out there, you know, on third and six or third and seven or really third and anything. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's more of a guy. And one thing I think Arthur Mollette brings outside of just his skills on the field is he does bring tenacity. He does bring focus. Arthur Mollette's a guy like when the Steelers were struggling, he was a voice in the locker room, even for, you know, he's not a playmaker. He's not a guy that's going to be high up on the, on the list of, you know, the depth chart and everything. And like when you think of Steelers stars, you're not thinking of Arthur Mollette, but he was a guy that was like, Hey, we got to snap out of this because we want to finish this season strong. And you guys reported on that uh, for the post Gazette talking about, you know, how he was trying to step up as a leader when he's more of a role player for the Steelers. And to me, that's important just as well as making plays is how, how do you fit into the locker room? And I agree that like, you know, Arthur Milet, not the cover guy that you want, but he could come, come downhill, make those types of plays. So that's why I think it's going to be interesting is do the Steelers make this extra effort. If Shannon Sullivan, isn't the guy who's the, who's the cover slot corner that they, that they think fits well for them. Do they make the extra effort to find somebody else or do they try to fit someone that's already on their roster into that role? You know, say maybe if they try to put, you know, one of the other cornerbacks, James Pierre has been a guy that's that's fit multiple roles for them. Do they try him there? They haven't tried him there yet, as far as I've seen over the past few years. Or is that Corey Trice's role or someone else's? Yeah, I mean, we haven't been told this, but it seems like there's maybe been a change in philosophy and how they want to cover, right? By mm-hmm. going out and getting these bigger types of corners, maybe there's going to be a change of in philosophy. Um, you know, maybe they're going to play a different way. I mean, I I don't know that that smaller cover corner is out of is is no longer a big deal in the league I think it is but if you look at it Chris you lose Mike Hilton a couple of years ago now you lose Cam Sutton who played in that role a lot at the end of the last season I think you need a guy like that on your roster and hey maybe maybe they really like Sullivan and maybe we're underselling him a bit maybe he's going to end up being that guy but you know I, I think in the end even though you do get bigger and you're going to probably play more press man on the outside. And that doesn't mean you have to stay in man. You could pass that off and, and play zone behind it. But even if you're going to play that way, I still think there's a need um, for a smaller corner who can maybe, as I said, cover up some of those quick guys over the middle of the field when you need to, especially on those third and medium types of plays. 
Absolutely. Those are definitely some of the plays that I think are going to be really interesting. And it kind of matches all up also with the Steelers not going and getting a linebacker because on some of those third and medium plays, that's where you'd be asking a linebacker to step in and make plays uh, to help in coverage. So that could be an overlapping thing where maybe the Steelers can find somebody who can fit both roles at some point. Those are That's a very unique thing. And we, as we talk about versatility, maybe that's the one last piece of, vers- of a versatile player that they want to add to their roster. We'll see if they do that in the coming weeks here. He's Ray Fittipaldo. And uh, thank you, Ray, for all your insights that you always give us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Uh, rookie camp starts this Friday. So we'll get to see all the Steelers rookies, not just the draft picks, but all the undrafted free agents and the camp visits that they've invited and see how those guys fare as we start getting ready for OTAs and mini camp here throughout the spring and early part of summer covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, he's Ray Fittipaldo. We'll also have Brian Batko on Friday, but before we do any of that, we do got to switch to baseball. Jason Mackey going to be talking Pirates in just a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll be right back. We're back here in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined today by Jason Mackey, our, of course, our esteemed Pirates beat reporter. He's at PNC Park right now because he's getting ready for an afternoon game uh, as the Pirates finish their series with the Rockies. A chance to win the series after they lost seven straight, but they've uh, they there was a really good sign. Before we get into uh, the, the 10-1 drubbing that they took the other day, I want to get into Mitch Keller's big complete game shutout performance because you don't always get those in baseball. It's been, it hasn't come too often for the pirates either, but man, Mitch Keller looked on fire in that game. And of course, Sheldon giving him the chance to finish there. Jason, what did you see from, from Mitch that helped him play so well? Chris, I've seen a lot of Mitch Keller starts over the years. This was Mm -hmm. obviously numero uno. Uh, I don't think it's a, you know, a big, a big reach to say that he was absolutely incredible. What, what I saw from Keller, honestly, is his ability to use multiple fastballs really wherever he wants. Um, his mm. velocity was up. You could tell that was just one of the starts that he was absolutely feeling it. It's so funny, Mitch Keller, a couple years ago, I mean, even as recently as the beginning of last season was basically like a one fastball guy, like threw a four seamer that they thought was too straight. Well, he's turned that into a sinker. He's turned that into a bit of a cutter. He's playing with the slider differently. This is a legitimate six-pitch guy who throws like 96, 97 when he wants to. Um, you know, great curveball. The, the changeup has come a long way. Uh, it's not even fair. He was absolutely incredible. And I, you have these starts every so often, and every pitcher in the major league level has them. Every pitcher everywhere has them where you just – the ball goes where you want. And, and you have velocity. You feel free and easy. If every start could be like that, it would be the greatest game in the world. But, I mean, Mitch just had all of the good stuff the other night. I've never seen him more pinpoint with control, what he wanted to do. Honestly, Chris, from a writer's perspective, that was halfway – That was it was kind of a difficult story to write. Like, obviously, you mm-hmm. wanted to write Keller. There was no offense until Rodolfo Castro's home run in the seventh. And then right after that, it was like Mitch Keller, five minutes, and the Rockies were done. It, it was great because it was quick, but it was tough because it was quick, too. Right. It, it is tough. But let's let's switch to the bats here because, man, it's been the struggle bus for for quite some time. You look back in their seven game uh, losing streak. They never scored more than two runs. 
and they still haven't scored more than two runs. Mitch Keller's awesome pitching performance is the only reason they've really broken it. They, of course, lost 10-1 to to the Rockies on Tuesday. Again, 12-35 first pitch time for the Rockies on Wednesday. But, Jason, what do they got to fix here? And especially, you know, I want to get to the shortstop at, at part of yeah. this soon. But I, what, is, what do they got to fix here to get this lineup back to what they were doing earlier? Yeah, and I think the fix is is a little bit of what I wrote about today. We'll get into that, Chris, with O'Neill Cruz. But uh, what they need to fix right now, a lot of things. Um, hitting with runners in scoring position has been abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pirates, let's not forget before this current slide, were basically one of the top three teams hitting with runners in scoring position, depending on how you want to define it. But they did it regularly. They're not doing it at all right now. It's you know a buck and change, basically, is their average with risk. It's been bad. They need they need big hits. I mean, there was a situation last night. Carlos Santana comes up with the bases loaded. Huge opportunity, a place where the Pirates had previously converted. Flies out the left field. Um, so that's one part. The other part, I would say, is, is getting on base more. One of the things we saw the Pirates do early on was steal a lot of bases, put pressure on the other team. I think they're kind of forcing it right now. But a way you cannot for- get, on the, get on base more. Get on base more. If you're close, if you're playing with a lead, you can put that stuff into play. Now – they have such few opportunities, and they're still trying to do something with them. They're a lot more expected. And then when they go awry, which sometimes they're going to, it's a lot more costly. So get on base more. Have to do that. This is not a team that's going to outslog anybody. They said that early on, and that's fine. But get on base, steal some bases, put pressure on the other team, run the base as well, hit in key situations. It's just, you know, it's unfortunate over the past nine games or whatever it is, they've just done none of those things. Yeah, it it is unfortunate because you'd think that they'd be able to, if they were even just able to do a little bit of that, they'd be able to get the bullpen active because the bullpen, you you know, at one point had the most saves in baseball. They're still tied for second with the Angels, but, you know, they they can't even really do much because – they don't have a lead to protect, and it's because the bats aren't getting active. But let's let's go to the part that you truly analyzed really well uh, with your with your article. Absence of O'Neill Cruz felt as Pirates lack offense and clear solution at, at shortstop. We all knew that there would be at some point be a feeling of missing a dynamic player like O'Neill Cruz at shortstop. But it seems now it's really shining through. And now it's been what a month since he's been injured now. Yeah, it's been a month, basically exactly a month. So three to go. Um, And it's felt all over, Chris. It really is. I mean, the easy part is to talk about the offense and, you know, talk about, um, you know, like one swing can change a game. That sort of Mm -hmm. dynamic. That's O'Neal Cruz's wheelhouse, right? Like how good would it feel right now to see O'Neal Cruz putting one in the river in the entire complexion of the game? Everybody's step is is a little bit lighter at that Mm -hmm. point. I also look at it from a defensive standpoint where they haven't found a natural fix or a natural um, you know, placeholder to hold down the job. Like Rodolfo Castro has been good at times offensively. He has largely struggled defensively. He certainly had his moments, but leads the team in errors, has not looked comfortable there. Tucapita Marcano has been a little bit better defensively. I'm not blaming the situation on him last night where he doesn't catch the ball from Santana. It hits Elias Diaz's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you watch him, it's it's not great. He's hitting 234. Like he's not a solution. They bring up Chris Owings. I think it was two days ago now. I mean, I like Owings' defense. It's fine. It's reliable. It reminds me of like Clint Barmas with the Pirates' previous playoff mm. team, which again, I, I I would take right now. Like Chris Owings would be in there most days for me. But they need O'Neill Cruz. They miss O'Neill Cruz. Like he got better defensively. His offense is game changing. They need the type of thing that he can provide. So. 
yeah, it's been a it's been a tough go without him for sure. It, it seems like one of those things where there's no hiding it, you know. Like, like I'm not sure. It, are there things the Pirates can do to mitigate this? You know, because again, we're talking about still months until he'd even be able to be thought about coming back. You know, yeah. and you know these are you know again April was great, and they bought themselves. Uh, they bought themselves the space to kind of, you know, deal with some slumps and, and hang on. Heck, they're still in first in their division by half a game heading into, you know, the, their, ga- their game uh, at, at 1235. But are, are there things they can do that could kind of, you know, narrow down like, hey, yes, there's no – you can't just, you know, just replace O'Neill Cruz. But can yeah. they do things to kind of make it so that it's not as big of an impact? Yeah, they can. They can. And they can get more production from certain guys. Like Jack Sawinski was really, really good – as recently as, you know, about 10 days ago, and he's gone quiet outside of one home run. They can get more from him. There's definitely more in there. Connor Joe was one of the best hitters in baseball early on. I mean, they can't reasonably expect him to be top 10 in OPS, but, you know, he's been a little bit quiet. I, I suppose you could expect more out of him. Um, Andrew McCutcheon was really good early on, has, has been kind of quiet since. You saw him get an RBI last night, but, I mean, I think there's certainly another, another level he can get to. So, I mean, it's, it's not going to be any one player. It can't be any one player. You know, O'Neill Cruz is such a freak. And, um, you know, what part of what I like so much about Cruz and what he adds to the lineup is just the sudden change dynamic. You know, I hear college mm-hmm. football teams talk about sudden change. <laughs> I know what you mean. First four. It's sort of the same deal, right? Like, you know, you're, you're down three to one and feeling like crap. Well, there's two guys on base. O'Neill Cruz takes one swing and now you got a lead. Uh, so I, that that when things are going as poorly as they are right now, is very important in my mind. And you just, you can't find another guy who can do the things that he can do. I, I agree with that entirely, but let's look forward here. The pirates finish up uh, with their, with, with their series here with the Rockies, 1235 rich Hill on the mound. This, this show will probably come out like a little bit before first pitch, but what do you expect out of them finishing this series? Boy, they really need rich Hill to be good. Um, I was just riding the elevator up with somebody and we were talking about, man, what a, you know, what a loss would be an exclamation point that you don't want to put on a crappy homestand. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think you want that at all. You just had a crappy, you know, trip to Tampa. Um, DC was okay. Albeit disjointed. You don't want to come back here and, and have this happen. And you got the Orioles this weekend. The Orioles are really, really good. Next, yeah. Um, they're, they're basically like right below the Rays. And so you want to get this one. You need to get this one. You need to end on a little bit of a positive note here. Feel like you've got some momentum going into the off day. So to me, it starts with Rich Hill, Chris. Um, he, is, he, he, he actually has been good. Um, it feels weird to say about somebody who has a four-and-a-half ERA, uh, but when he doesn't leave curveballs up in the zone when he's executing pitches, and it's basically you know, it was a, it's some sporadic misses in his last start and then his first two starts were bad. Other than that, I mean, he has been pretty good. So keep the ball down, pitch the way he knows how, use his defenders. I'm not telling him he does anything he doesn't know, uh, but they, they do really need something from Rich today. We'll see if they get it. And then, of course, they head on the road for back-to-back series. The Orioles, like you said, uh, with the series starting on Friday, uh, the Orioles, they've been pretty doggone good. They'd be in first place in the AL East if it wasn't for the red-hot Rays and and how great they've been. What's the biggest thing they got to focus on to play against one of the better teams in baseball record-wise right now? Yeah, I know. I know, right? I was talking to somebody yesterday about their lineup, and somebody said, don't they have, like, an elite second baseman? I'm like, who, Adam Frazier? Uh, but <laughs> so in all seriousness, it's a really good team. It's mm-hmm. a really good team. Like Adam Frazier is just one small part, but I mean, they hit the crap out of the ball, Chris. I don't think, yeah. you know, I look at their lineup and I don't see an Aaron judge or a Shohei Otani and it really doesn't matter. Like they're, they're 
producing. They're really good. Uh, Santander, Ryan Mountcastle, uh, Urias, Adley Rushman. Um, you know, anyway, they've, they've got, they've got guys. Uh, Kyle Gibson has been good for them. So um, I just, I look at them as the way the pirates were playing as the way the Rays have played the entire year. Like they do everything right. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to get quality starting pitching. Their bullpen has been good. They're going to get production up and down the lineup. Um, it doesn't, they don't necessarily have like huge high earners. They certainly have good players, uh, but they're just, I don't know. They're, they're one of those teams that can beat you a lot of different ways. I agree. They're one of those teams that, that find different ways to win. And that was the very factor that I thought the Pirates had on their side throughout April. They beat you with, with great starting pitching, bullpen pitching, and hitting, um, and base running. But we'll see if the Pirates can get at least some of those aspects back. He's Jason Mackey. Again, the Pirates' first pitch against the Rockies in their finale here on the homestand, 1235 at PNC Park. Then they're on the road for three games against the, against the Orioles and then two games against the Detroit Tigers. He's Jason Mackey. He'll keep us up to date with all of that here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks again to Jason, and thanks again to, to uh, Ray for joining us and talking to Steelers. Thanks to you for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Check out all of our content at post-gazette.com and get all of our podcasts, whether it's the North Shore Drive podcast at Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or all of the daily content we produce here every day. You can find it on your favorite podcasting app, and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel for all of the post-gazette content. Back Friday, talking NFL schedule, rookie camp, and seeing how the Pirates are doing with their start of their, uh, with their series against the Orioles. We'll see you then right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.